This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Gates and ready to go. Hot five with Hutton Withrow underway on this Wednesday edition. Clay Travis will join us coming up later this hour. And we also have John McClain on all things NFL playoffs. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Big show ahead. They're all big. That's right. That's right. Uh, Pat McAfee. It seems like every day something big is coming out of his show. We've got the uh, last Friday. He's going after ESPN exec Norby Williamson. Saying he's a rat, he's sabotaging his show, giving out false reports on uh, his his ratings. Doubles down on that Monday, and then yesterday, Aaron Rodgers joins Pat McAfee and continues to go after Jimmy Kimmel in response to Jimmy Kimmel and uh, the the monologue from Monday evening. Turns out that's going to be the the final weekly visit, based on what Pat, Pat McAfee had to say today on his show, Pat McAfee Live. What we do know is the guy that stopped by yesterday caused quite a conversation. A little bit, yeah. yeah. A little bit. Now? Very usual. Not like that. The, um, <laughs> yeah. So Aaron Rodgers Tuesday season four is uh, done. Yeah. Ah, complete. Man. season. There's going to be a lot of people that are happy with that. Myself included, to be honest. With the way <laughs> it ended, it got real loud. Mm-hmm. And uh, real loud. I'm happy that that is not going to be my mentions going forward, Mm -hmm. which is great news. We're a conversation show. People are having conversations. We live in a country that has freedom of speech, but also you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your freedom of speech. So what I'm saying is we've given a lot of people who've been waiting for us to fail a lot of ammo and things to attack us for over the last week, and we would love to get back to the point where we just move on and continue to silence all the haters over here who can't negotiate as good as I can. All the people over here who can't create a show as good as us, and all the people up here who are just going to always be here, and they're going to hustle and do their thing, which I respect. But we need to do that, and that is our focus. That is our goal. And Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. He's a four-time MVP. He's a massive piece of the NFL story. Whenever you go back and tell it, he will be a huge part of it. We are very lucky to get a chance to chat with him and learn from him. Some of his thoughts and opinions, though, do piss off a lot of people. A lot of people. And uh, I'm pumped that that is no longer going to be every single Wednesday of my life, uh, which it has been for the last few weeks. On Friday, obviously, I threw us into the fire as well. Forever stand by that. Everything else, though, <laughs> like, just can't do that and not what we want to be known for. And I'm also pumped that I don't have to do these types of talks sure. anymore. So with that being said, sports are alive right now. Pat McAfee there saying that Rodgers is done for the season. He was Scheduled to appear weekly through the playoffs. He will not be doing that, uh, but had been doing the show with McAfee for four seasons now. Chad, uh, McAfee removes Rodgers. He's got complete control over guests and content for his program. This is his call. And while it's his call, there's no doubt ESPN is pleased with this result. And by and large, ESPN has surprised me because they've let him go on and do his thing. And Rodgers was on his program yesterday, and it was the final time we'll be on. And because it's the visit yesterday, he got his 
word out on Kimmel. Final say, I guess you could say. And it sounds like McAfee's also done going after ESPN management and executives. So while it's not a win for ESPN by any means, the fact that they let him go on and do his thing and he continues to do that, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a win in some regards and a loss based on the attack that McAfee had on the executive. But you had ABC, Disney, and ESPN all intertwined in this, and McAfee refused to just shut up. Yeah. After until he got his word out and, and had his say. The sports are alive. Uh, amen to that. Uh, yes. What Pat McAfee said. Um, I think the days of Pat McAfee's show, though, being this you know crossover sensation where Jimmy Kimmel is talking about them, and they're getting uh, not just national sports headlines, but national headlines all over the place. Probably over now that Aaron Rodgers is no longer a guest in the show. Aaron Rodgers is a favorite punching bag of, of much of the media. There's, there's no doubt about it. Some of that warranted, some of it probably not with Aaron Rodgers and some of the things he's done and, and said. Um, I think it's a mistake, quite frankly, because it's one of the more interesting segments every week. And I'll give you an example. We played it yesterday and talked about what everyone's talking about, his response to Jimmy Kimmel. He had a lot of interesting things to say about Bill Belichick before that and what they talked about at midfield and how he wants to sit down and have a scotch with Bill Belichick and just talk football with him and talked about snow games. He was saying something about them meeting up in the snow again, like the Packers-Patriots games they've played before in the past, things like that. I, I, I think that part of it's a mistake. I can also understand exactly what Pat McAfee is saying. And what he's saying is this became too much of a headache considering what we pay this guy to come on the show. And if we're always responding to things he says and that becomes the show, then we don't want to deal with that. We, we want him to be a part of the show, a part of the fabric of the show. He doesn't need to be the show. And we're never going to control Aaron Rodgers to say what we want him to say or stay out of certain subjects or topics or apologize or not apologize in his own way. All those things. Uh, ESPN wanted him to apologize. They didn't want him to come on and explain himself the way he did. They didn't want any of that yesterday. I'll also say I think Mike Voss has probably got a little bit more power maybe even than Norby Williamson because I think that that knock at Mike Voss pissed them off. And I think that he probably immediately heard, I'm talking to he being McAfee and his crew about that, that, hey, we've talked about this. We're issuing a, a company statement on it. I, I don't need Aaron Rodgers coming back on the show and going after me that way and, and, and naming my name. It's one thing when you do it once and you play that card and you stand by it, as McAfee said, like he did with Norby Williamson. If it becomes a, a reoccurring segment on the show where you're calling out executives by name, whether it be your contributor or yourself, then it probably does become a problem at some point. Well, but uh, see, I, I buy what he's saying about it just being a nuisance and a headache more than anything because of what the timeline has been like. Uh, the ESPN also put out a statement saying they were going to handle both both issues internally uh, between the, the beef between McAfee and, and Williamson and handle that internally would indicate not going to talk about it publicly. And then McAfee doubles down on Monday. They allow Rodgers on. Uh, I say they allow Rodgers on. They can cut it from their programming. He's going to continue to stream it on his YouTube. And had he not done that, Chad, had he, had he done this on Monday prior to the weekly visit with Rodgers, I would have a different reaction to this. Um, also, I guess the indication here is he's back next season. And last year, he did the weekly visits 
through the Super Bowl, and then he went off to his darkness retreat, and then yeah. came back the following season uh, weekly with with McAfee. So I, I mean, uh, so he will the, come back as a football season guest. Well, he's been that. That's yeah. he he annually has gone through the postseason with him weekly, and then he doesn't return until football returns. So, I mean, they're cutting him for the rest of the month, not in perpetuity. As I, I, as that's how I, I, I enjoy the segment as someone sure. who just likes media. But if I had to deal with it, and I'm Pat McAfee being called into a meeting or having to be having things dealt with internally over and over again, yeah. having to be on conference calls with countless executives all the time, I, I'd probably get tired of it too. And I'm not saying that they're pulling his strings or controlling him or what he says or any of that. Clearly but, not. But he is, you know, he's got a partnership with ESPN and he's got to be in on meetings and you get called into more meetings when stuff like this happens. And I'm sure he doesn't want to deal with it. He wants to do his show. He wants to have fun with his guys talking sports every day. And yeah. he's made a hell of a living doing that. And he's created one heck of a show. So I understand that completely that that would be his desire with this. Selfishly, I'd like to see Aaron Rodgers continue on through the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I like it when he joins the show because you really never know what's going to happen. I say that as someone not having to deal with any controversy or fallout from anything Aaron Rodgers says. Yeah, and fallout from and distractions from his own comments too. You know, and then, again, if he wants to create headlines, McAfee's going to do that. He's going to, that's exactly what ESPN hired him to do. He's going to speak his mind. Uh, and when he's done doing that, I mean... He can choose when and when not to because he's, he's got the power. That's and Anyone working with ESPN would know that. Yeah. By the way, you can always interact uh, with us on, on X, formerly known as uh, Twitter, anytime you want, at Hutton Outkick, at the Chad Withrow. Shea writes in and says, from what I understand, he didn't get fired. Apparently, this was slated to be his last appearance of the season all along, and he will be back next year. Am I wrong about that? I didn't hear anything in there about him permanently Never coming no. back on the show. It's no, just that his, his season four is over. Correct. Is, what they, is how yeah. they stated it. That's coming to an end uh, for the, the season, is, is what McAfee said. Yeah. Uh, I wish he was going to the Super Bowl. The, the time for Pete Carroll in Seattle came to an end today. Seattle announcing that Pete Carroll uh, is no longer the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks after 14 seasons and a Super Bowl title. He's now going to be an advisor where... Uh, he he was also had the title. He was head coach. He was also the vice president of football operations for Seattle. I assume he continues along that path in advising the organization in that capacity while they jump into the coaching mix. Now, seven coaches, uh, seven coaching openings across the league. And after adding Seattle to the list, the Titans firing Vrabel yesterday, you have... Las Vegas, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Panthers, Falcons, Commanders, Titans, and Seahawks. And still to come, we assume, will be New England. Plus, what about Dallas? There's, that's still up in the air based on what could happen this weekend against Green Bay in the playoffs. Now, three straight seasons of 12 wins for Dallas and Mike McCarthy, but not success in the postseason. Jerry Jones growing tired of that. Although, he did backtrack a bit from his comments post-game when they won the NFC East this past weekend, when he said, we'll, we'll, we'll take it game by game. We'll review game by game. When asked about McCarthy and uh, whether or not he was overall pleased, totally fine with the job performance. Moving forward, that would be the postseason performance. He said, hey, I'm totally, I'm, I'm pleased, thrilled with McCarthy and what he's done. I still don't buy it. 
no. the vote of confidence there. There's a lot of pressure on McCarthy as he faces his, his former team in Green Bay this weekend. Plus, there is, there's starting to be a little buzz about Mike Tomlin considering a, a year off from a, football. A sabbatical? Yeah. Maybe? Uh, a hiatus? A Sean and, Payton year? The, I mean, the gap year when you leave high school and go to Europe for a year before going to college. And I saw the the report last night about the fact that some teams that were going to move forward with their current coaches, uh, their current lineup, were considering making moves. The fact that Vrabel became available. Yeah, when the, I if immediately people tie in Seattle to that. Could be um, Dallas too. Yeah, I mean the, the Pete Carroll thing isn't shocking. It's surprising kind of the timing of it. And, and he, when just it went said, down. he just said he wasn't going to retire, that he still had a lot of energy and wanted yeah. to coach. 72 years old, though. So, I mean, I can understand if he's agreeing yep. to a progression to an analyst role or, you know, the John Elway, Dan Marino, president emeritus type deal. Maybe Pete Carroll could be in line for something like that with the Seahawks. That would make some sense. Of those jobs that are open right now, if it's not New England, Let's just say that New England uh, miraculously stays with Bill Belichick after all this. Which one makes the most sense for Mike Vrabel? If we're talking about Mike Vrabel being so coveted that a team would actually consider getting rid of their coach just to upgrade and hire Mike Vrabel, of those openings, and we can show them to you again right now, Hutton, if we're playing matchmaker, which job, which situation makes the most sense for Mike Vrabel? So I think the obvious choice would be the Chargers. Stacked with talent, not a ton of salary cap space, but again, you can maneuver that however you want. I look at Washington, though. New owner in Josh Harris, who is hell-bent on winning. He wants to win. He's going to spend money and money and money. They currently have the most salary cap space. They have the number two overall pick. And while they haven't been great, they've been very average with Ron Rivera through a tumultuous situation. I like that. I also like that option for Harbaugh, potentially. Um, Seattle comes to mind, but I also think Dan Quinn fits the Seattle framework for that organization. Chad, I, I can't help but think about the two teams we mentioned that don't have openings right now. That, or the three, really. New England. We have uh, Dallas. Jerry could certainly look at Vrabel. And then Pittsburgh is a, a no-brainer. Former draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Continuity. You talk about longevity. And you go all in for a coach. If Tomlin decides to step, step away for a year or whatever it might be, that to me fits perfectly with what the organization would be looking for. So I, I think Vrabel could potentially end up with a, a job where it currently is, is filled by another head coach right now. I um, but Washington is interesting, and there's so much pressure though when you have that top three pick and they're picking second, yep. and your quarterback needy to draft the right quarterback to pair up your tenure as a coach coming in with that quarterback, and as long as that quarterback's successful, especially for a defensive guy like Mike Frabel, and you're going to have more of a say on that side of the ball, you get the defense playing well, and you partner up with a young star quarterback, you're going to have a nice long tenure in that spot, and if that's Washington, that could be the case. There's also a lot of pressure on it because if the quarterback's not good, you're trying to restart, you're trying to bring in a veteran. There's a lot of things that go haywire, unless you're Kyle Shanahan, where you can swing and miss on a top three pick at quarterback and have a seventh rounder 
you know, be a star or have anyone play quarterback for you and it be just fine. Yeah. So there's only one Kyle Shanahan, though. If you're Mike Vrabel or anyone else and you're at a job like Washington, you need to get that quarterback pick correct when you're drafting second overall. So right now it's seven, and we, we, we've said, is there going to be eight to ten openings? Uh, that was the big question over the last few weeks. I thought it would be less, but we've had two surprises now. Vrabel fired, and now Pete Carroll apparently just going to be an advisor, an advisory role for the Seattle Seahawks. You have that opening. And then we assume it, New England's going to come open. Although, uh, is Belichick trying to keep that gig? Armando Salguero joined us yesterday and said, it, Belichick could potentially be willing to you know, give and, and hand over the general manager role and just coach. To which I ask, uh, who steps in and, and actually makes those calls from the general manager position whenever Bill Belichick's in the room? What, what GM has that? And to me, it would be you step away from the GM role, but you have someone like Elliot Wolf who's already there within the organization that would assume into that position. You're, you're hiring from within. I know this is a totally crazy to even, to even suggest, okay. given the, how we think about these guys, these coaches, yeah. these, these dictators, right? They, okay. they got to get their way. All powerful, uh, the ego, you yeah. know, bigger than the city block that we are in right now at Sixth and Peabody here in downtown Nashville. They can't fit in any room. Maybe, just maybe, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Maybe Bill Belichick actually has enough self awareness to realize he's not getting the job done as GM and talent evaluator. I know it's crazy to, to hear. It was crazy for me to even think about this and throw out the possibility. But when I heard this, I'm thinking, maybe we got it all wrong and Bill Belichick, deep down, what he wants to do is win. And what winners have to do sometimes is admit they're the problem. They know they can do certain things, but hey, maybe my time has come and gone to be the head of the organization and talent evaluator. Maybe I need some help there. Maybe I need someone else making the picks and worrying about that. I'll worry about coaching the guys. I'll worry about getting this defense ready. I'll let someone else worry about drafting the quarterback and bringing in players and, and talent acquisition. I know that sounds crazy, and it may not be the case, but if what Armando Salguero's reporting is completely accurate and he is willing to lose some power in New England, I, I tip my hat to, to Bill Belichick for actually having the self-awareness to admit that he's not getting the job done in one area and he badly wants to continue coaching, and he's willing to give up that responsibility yeah. in order to continue coaching. I just don't know how Bill Belichick stays with the organization and, and doesn't have the same amount of power. He just, he just loses a title. Well, if he wants – my point is, if he really wants to stay on as coach, and that's what he wants to do more than anything, I mean, he could be saying, I, I, this is bad. What everyone else sees, it's bad. Bill Belichick, talent evaluator, has been bad. Coaching part of it, many believe he can still coach. That's what we're talking about him possibly getting a gig somewhere else if he's no longer the Patriots coach. Again, it's so far out of thought for everyone out there because we just assume these guys, once they get any power, they would never willingly relinquish any of it. But maybe the desire to win and a good amount of self-awareness, which not many people would think about with Bill Belichick, maybe a good amount of self-awareness would lead him to make the decision that Maybe I do need to give up some power here and worry about coaching the team and nothing else. Chargers are the odds-on favorite, even ahead of uh, New England, to land Bill Belichick right now. Um, 
and it does appear just a 30,000-foot view. I, I think they're, they're waiting to trade him. They have to go through this process of the three-week deal and the divisional round, whatever. Uh, you have to uh, abide by the Rooney rule. So there is, there, there, there is a, a, a protocol to waiting to trade, which is why Amy Adams Strunk, owner of the Titans, said, we didn't want to wait this, this timeline. That's why we fired Vrabel now instead of trading him and getting something in return for the asset, which is a coach that's going to land another job. Chargers, and then there's a list of teams that have been mentioned tied to Belichick. Washington, of course, with Josh Harris, that's been going on for a few weeks. And Atlanta is also starting to be placed on this list. So keep the Falcons up at top of mind for teams that may be talking with with New England. Uh one team that's not going to be I don't I don't quickly on that yep. that report on the Titans. I do not like the term too complicated being a reason for not pursuing a trade of Mike Vrabel with the Patriots. Well, especially I, with this many openings. I understand if it's the time you know, if if the idea is we really know, I mean I can't really say this outright, but we really know with this one guy we want or two or three guys that are at the top of our list and their separation, and we feel the coach is most important and not a future pick, and we need to make a move right now to make sure we interview that coach and hire them, one of those two or three guys that we want, I'm okay accepting that. But when I see that, oh, it's too complicated to trade, I'm thinking, so you're going to sacrifice the possibility of a first-round pick or good draft picks here because it's too complicated? I, I don't buy that as an excuse for an organization. Now – if it really is the what I'm talking about with they know who they want and they're willing to spend top dollar it's big, yeah. to get that coach, by all means, move on, pull the Band-Aid off, rip it off quickly, and go hire that coach that you want, big name or not, that you feel is going to be the right coach for this organization. Right now, the Titans look like a clown show uh, outside looking in because everyone believes Mike Vrabel is going to have his pick of these jobs that everyone's going to want to talk to him and hire him. We'll see if that, in fact, happens. I think he'll get one of the jobs for sure, but we'll see what the marketplace is for Mike Vrabel. But it, it looks like a dysfunctional organization. There's not a huge difference between them and the Panthers in terms of rash decisions and quick decisions that fly in the face of what everybody was expecting. So, again, credit Amy Adams Strunk for not throwing drinks and cocktails on fans at games. I give her credit for that. But she's got to get this right. And Rand Carthon needs to be the right pick at general manager or this Titans organization is going to continue to slip and slip and slip. And they're going to be viewed more and more like a weak organization. And that's not the perception you ever want to have. Right now, it's a, it's a baffling organization is how the nation perceives it, right? They, they're surprised by the move with Mike Vrabel. And that's... Not the worst thing. The worst thing is when you get the label of, you know, the Cleveland Browns of years ago, the Cincinnati Bengals for years, that where you're inept. That's what you don't want. Bad ownership, inept. You don't want to get that label as an NFL franchise. Or, Titans or aren't there on, yet. Or even be on that path. Titans aren't there yet. They are on that path right now. That is the path they are on if they do not get this coaching hire right and if Rand Carthon does not work out as general manager. So we mentioned uh, the, the top landing spots for uh, Belichick, Vrabel, and uh, other openings. Seattle becoming available. Chad, if we look at this list for head coach openings, which of the teams is the worst job? Because Tennessee's on this right now. 
Tennessee, Carolina because I of ownership. I would say Carolina. And then who? Which, which, which organization? Las Vegas or Atlanta? See, Atlanta's got talent. They have an offensive. Yeah. They have an offensive locker room. I think it in it, I'm going bottom to top. Carolina, Tennessee, Vegas, Atlanta, Washington. Okay. Chargers, Seattle. Seattle number one. Seattle number one. Chargers, really, Chargers only up there because of the quarterback and roster situation. Ownership, no, uh, not great. You know, the situation with the stadium, and I know people say it doesn't matter, your fans, who care. I I, I care, okay? I care. If I'm an NFL coach, I'm factoring that in. I don't like playing away games in my home stadium the way the Chargers have to do that. So that's that's a negative for them. The Commanders, to me, is a big wild card. It is a foundational franchise in the NFL, one that's got a lot of history and a lot of fans that has been drugged through the absolute depths of hell by Daniel Snyder. And now they've got a new owner, and they've got a lot of good things on the way. So, Well, and I, I think Harris is just – he is steadfast in winning and, and quickly. They're going to jump out and do a lot this offseason, and I think they'll jump in big with, with the coaching search. Uh, Chicago's not going to be on this list. They're going to keep Matt Eberflus. They've, they're turning over the coaching staff, though. Chris, we already knew uh, Alan Williams, defensive coordinator, uh, he was st- stepped aside. He left the team in the middle of the season. You had uh, David Walker, the running backs coach, who did the same. He was fired. They're not going to bring back their offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, who, by way of Green Bay, did nothing for Justin Fields for whatever reason. Didn't want Fields running the football, which is his best asset, to begin the season. Uh, tried to make him a pocket passer. Did not work. Getze and Fields had a great relationship off the field, too. Did not work on the field. Uh, also, the wide receiver coach, running back coach, tight end coach, and maybe more to come. I think they're keeping Eberflus because this is not their year to jump in and hire their new head coach. They know they're going to be at the bottom of this list. Not just because of the roster. Not just because of the rebuild that they've been going through that hasn't worked. It's an organization that has uh, the stadium issues. There's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes that will affect the overall franchise. The thought is, whenever uh, McCaskey passes away, that they could, it may have to sell the team based on inheritance tax. So you may go through that turmoil. So it's not viewed in the coaching community that way. Plus... You don't know what you're doing at quarterback. Is it Justin Fields or is it a rookie? You've got the number one overall pick. You have two first-round picks. I mean, that's great. But what are you doing at quarterback and how much say will you have versus uh, Poles, who's calling the shots right now in Chicago? So I think the the view from the coaching community, while they may pay big, I don't think it's it, it's not a job that you look at and think it's a, a, a longevity uh, a check mark a place you can go and win and win immediately. Unstable. That's how I would describe the situation worse. right now. Maybe worse. Uh, unstable if it was a job opening. And th- there will be clarity provided this year with, with Justin Fields' play. So that that is one that a year from now, if Justin Fields is bad, the record's really bad, they got a high draft pick, you know if you fire the coach and you hire a new one, that coach is going to bring in a quarterback high in the draft that year. So there's more yep. 
There's more certainty about how to move forward if you're an organization. Yeah, Eberflus, by the way, but what three wins in year one, seven this past year, but they started two and seven in their first nine games. It got better. It did. And, and it, it and got. Phil's, it, they they Phil's missed time and then came back. And, and I, I get it. If you're a Bears fan, and you're thinking. I mean, if the the Titans can fire Mike Vrabel and the yeah. Seahawks can fire Pete Carroll, why are we keeping this guy around? But flip side of that is you. Maybe you could only go up, but they didn't stay where they were after that awful start. They did improve as a team over the season, and that is a check mark for the head coach, and that's Matt Eberflus. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, hot seat, whatever you want to call it. I don't think Eberflus is lasting uh, past 2024, but I think it's evident that they they know they're not going to be in the mix for the top coaches they would want. Harbaugh, Vrabel, whoever you want to put in that list. Chad, uh, I wonder... If the Pac-12 leadership, or what's remaining of it, or was, while the entire season was going on, if they felt like they were a year late to the negotiating table for their TV rights deals. Because overall, the same season where they had a team run to the championship game, and they had two legitimate teams going after the college football playoff, they had a very competitive season, they had the Heisman Trophy winner returning. There are a lot of positives with all of this. Plus, you have a seven-year college football playoff drought that certainly didn't help your case in negotiating with TV networks. You had a, a you, you have stability moving forward, or would have, if you look at Oregon, if you look at Washington, as long as DeBoer and, and Lanning are there, they're going to have success. And if you pair that with Deion Sanders and... The fact that Utah, not this season, but the previous two, had back-to-back years going to the Rose Bowl. There are a lot of programs beneath that level that were very competitive and improved and surprised, quite frankly. Arizona comes to mind, but there are others. Washington State was a storyline early in the season. I wonder if they feel like, yeah, we were just a year late and actually getting what we wanted, even though the the office of the Pac-12 was inept in getting anything whatsoever. And then you have ESPN and CBS, Fox, and everyone else that were negotiating. And you had the you got to pick and choose a la carte which programs you wanted. Big 12, which programs you wanted. Big 10. And you also feel like you were a year early and you're thankful for it. Because otherwise, I think they were set up as a conference to actually make a case for something better than what the ACC was Well, there had to be some feelings. If you're George Klyavikov, let's say, and you're seeing all the success of the Pac-12 this year, you got to be thinking, guys, if we only could have done this a year or two ago, we would not be in this situation because we would be more desirable to television networks, and I would have been able to negotiate a deal that every school president and athletic department would have been happy to sign. And they're coming off a national championship game that was a four-year ratings high, 25.1 million viewers, on Monday night for Michigan's win over Washington, four-year ratings high. It made $90 million for ESPN, that broadcast, and all, all the days events leading up to it. And, it, and it, as Hutton said, it featured what was a Pac-12 team, soon to be a, a Big Ten team. I, I hate it. I, I hate that the Pac-12 is going to be no more. I wish they could have fi- found a way to make it work. But this is the world we're now entering where – even the biggest of media companies, they, they, they make decisions on what brings them eyeballs and what brings them money. When they're, when they're dishing out the money that ESPN's dishing out, 
they're not going to go everywhere and try to get everything anymore. They're going to zero in on what matters to them, and they're going to go that route. And what matters to ESPN moving forward is, and I saw an ad for it, it before the national championship game, the SEC. Yeah. The, the ESPN is the SEC network now. They're, they're, that's going to be the exclusive provider of all things SEC. So they're all in on the Southeastern Conference. And because of that, and because of inept leadership, quite frankly, the Pac-12 Awful. is all out on being a conference, while other networks are all in on other conferences. Uh, speaking of decisions and, and trying to up viewership and, and ratings and everything and doing that on behalf of the business side of it, Netflix, uh, they're in the business of LeBron James. It's a quarterback series, much like they've already produced with with the Mannings and Omaha Productions? It's going to be a quarterback-like uh, series. So if you watch quarterback with Mahomes and Cousins and Marcus Mariota, uh, the Omaha Productions, Peyton Manning's company, had a big hand in it. Um, it's going to be an NBA docuseries. It is co-produced by, let me get the names of the companies right, LeBron James, Spring Hill Production Company, former President Barack Obama's Higher Ground Productions, and Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions, which did the quarterback series. They're all co-producing an NBA docuseries, and they are going to follow around LeBron James, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, uh, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, and Anthony Edwards okay. throughout the season. Filming has already started. They don't have a name for the series yet. They don't have a launch date on Netflix, but they're following around these guys. I'm going to tune in for it. Uh, I'm pretty out on the NBA right now until it's playoff time for a lot of reasons, but and mainly it's because the, the play isn't as good as it needs to be, and the officiating is a crock also. Yes. But I'm going to watch this. If you can give me a reason to care about these guys, like them more, see their behind the scenes, see the day-to-day of being an NBA player, and it's done in a compelling way the way the quarterback series was – I, I'm, I'm going to be brought back to the sport more for that reason. I'll also say this, as we have reports out now, we might talk to Clay about this, Gen Zers not being as big as sports fans as older generations. I think it's like 28% of playing sports or participating. It's gone down a lot. As people flock to streaming and sitting around and watching streaming services all the time, could in an odd way Netflix create young sports fans with series like this? If young people get into shows like this, are people going to be brought to the game of golf because of full swing? You know, are they going to watch more football because of the quarterback series? I don't know. It's a funny way of things working in reverse at times that if you get a compelling piece of media, movie, television show, whatever, it can draw you to something else, right? I, I had no interest in the making of the atomic bomb until I watched Oppenheimer. And Christopher Nolan put together a movie that was so good and so compelling, I went and got uh, American Prometheus from my local library and read it. And it's one of the longest books I've ever read. Wouldn't have done that had I not seen the movie and got interested in it. Maybe a series like this can get more people into the NBA. Well, no doubt it it can change the perception of one individual. There is no one that's watched quarterback that doesn't like Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Right? And the perception of him prior to that series. So that, that can certainly help the, the brand of – and the NBA is the, the individual player more than it is team. That will help the brand of producing 
more stars, I, I even on the, really, on the second tier level, I'm saying. Yeah, it could really help Jason Tatum. Yes, yes. Uh, it could really help Jimmy Butler, DeMontis Sabonis, Anthony Edwards. Unfortunately, I think LeBron James is in a place where uh, no one's going to be convinced of anything on him. They, you right. either absolutely love him or you absolutely hate him. And he could be the greatest guy in the world and the funniest, and he could be Kirk Cousins part two uh, in this Netflix series. And people that don't like LeBron James right now aren't going to care. Right. They're not going to be convinced. We live in a country where it's very hard to convince someone of something else yeah. if they've made up their mind. Um, Paint on the side. So I can not a lot of this. Open-mindedness is not a real strength right now with people. So I don't think they're going to watch it and say, you know, that LeBron James, man, good dude. I really like him. I'm going to go yeah. and buy a, a Lakers it, it jersey really, now. It really LeBron changed James. my perception, yeah. Uh, I've really opened my eyes to LeBron James being a decent guy. Chad, You're not going to hear a lot of that. What's the perception of Vanderbilt Athletics? It's bad. It's really bad. Uh, it's, it's really bad. It's so bad that they, they're they the only... So, <laughs> Brett McMurphy. Brett McMurphy's like college a, football wrap-up An Alabama column. official he spoke to uh, says that, look, an Alabama official told me at the Rose Bowl last week that said, look, everyone, and I mean everyone, is stealing signs. Michigan was not the only school doing this. Added, added an industry source to this conversation. Kansas basketball cheats more than anyone, and they didn't do anything to Kansas. The only pure thing in college athletics is Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt sucks. Which is, I mean, why just the stray that was leveled at Vanderbilt out of nowhere and then by Murphy, this industry source is concludes, it says, remarkable. That's where college athletics is in 2024. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, or you're Vanderbilt. Well, and that's, it's all full circle, right? Yep. What's the one thing Vanderbilt excels in? Baseball. What's the one sport that everyone in the SEC complains about Vanderbilt cheating in because of advantages they've had with scholarships uh, at their university being the only private school in the SEC? And when, and when, and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. And, when and, James they're good in that, and they're good in that sport. I mean, it's, it goes hand in hand, it seems. That's what people around college sports think. And when James Franklin won back-to-back seasons of nine wins, what, what were they saying? Uh, oh, they're making exceptions. Oh, yeah, finally. To admissions. They've opened it up to all athletes. All athletes, they have no academic restrictions for the football team. It's, I, I think this is a little extreme, yeah. right? Like, you just, well, you know, it's not, it's not even just if you're not cheating. You're not, it just everybody's cheating and get away with what you can get away with. And the only way to be good at anything is to cheat like crazy. I don't accept that. I do think that everyone who's won a national championship in football over the years has probably crossed a line in the NCAA rule book a time or two. To yeah. either acquire talent or do something, I'm I'm not blind to that, but this whole concept that you just have to outright cheat to not suck in, in sports, I don't I don't think is is true. It's not intertwined within the entire program. Yeah, like it, we're coach to coach. It may be and also, with the, yeah, has Vandy ever you know smidged a rule here or there in football or basketball? Probably yes. Sure. I mean, I think it's also a real blanket, the industry source, a blanket. The well, only pure thing in college athletics is Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt sucks. That's a quote from this industry source. I would argue that it's not just because Vandy doesn't cheat that they suck. I would also argue that Vandy's not the only pure thing in college right. athletics. So we're really getting on a couple of extreme well, sides I, with this, this one. This is a little tongue-in-cheek, though. It's got to be. Right. Clay Travis joins us when we come back, and we will discuss McAfee, Rodgers, and uh, the ESPN saga, and the fact that McAfee says that Rodgers is, is done for the rest of the season, appearing on his show weekly. That's next year on Hotline.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on here at outkick.com slash watch. Glad you're with us as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Check out the Outkick store right now while you're at outkick.com. And uh, you can get all of the great gear. You've got the hats, polos, sweatshirts, t-shirts, and more. It's all at shop.outkick.com. Clay Travis joins us, president, the fearless leader of Outkick. Clay, good afternoon. How are you, man? I'm great. How are y'all? We are we are great. Uh, what do you make of the decision by McAfee not to move forward with with Aaron Rodgers, announcing today that he's not going to appear up for the rest of the season on his program each Tuesday? Yeah, I thought Outkick actually did a decent job. Um, Dan just get, just say I just screwed up his last name. Dan but, Z. Uh, Dan, we just go with Dan yeah, Z. Dan Z. Dan Z is good. Um, looked into the data on how Aaron Rodgers last several years have gone in terms of how long he stayed on the program. And this is the earliest that he could find uh, of the departure. And it seems odd, right? Um, Because if I had the choice to talk to Aaron Rodgers during the playoffs and hear what he thought of all the matchups going forward, I'd want to talk to him. Um, And so I think this is pressure that is being brought to bear potentially behind the scenes over whether Aaron Rodgers can continue to appear on ESPN. And I think they're probably hoping uh, that by not having him on again until September or whenever he would be returning normally, that a lot of this stuff will die down. And by the time they have Aaron Rodgers back on the program, that it'll primarily be discussion about him being the Jets quarterback, as opposed to his opinions on everything in the world uh, beyond, uh, beyond football. But I watched, I went and watched the entire interview. I thought it was pretty entertaining. I thought McAfee did a good job. Uh, and I agree with a lot of what Aaron Rodgers said. And I understand why he's not finished in terms of, cause I feel the same way. Um, when you got attacked as a grandma killer for, uh, you know, for, for multiple years for wanting to play football and for not believing that, the COVID shot made sense uh, for every single person. And that shouldn't be mandatory um, when there has been no reckoning uh, on that. And a lot of people who were wrong on, uh, on what they said and the fact that they tried to shut down anybody who dissented. Uh, I understand why he's still fired up about it. And um, I agreed with a lot of what he said on the show. I thought it was good television I don't watch that show a lot ever really because I'm on the air with my own radio program when it's on, but I happened to watch it last night and, uh, and, and cause I wanted to go back and see everything that was said as opposed to just read about what the media said about what was said. And I thought it was pretty compelling television and the ratings I believe reflect as well that most people thought that is uh, too, because the Pat McAfee show ratings on Tuesday were some of the best ratings that he's ever had. 
Um, and so in general, everybody's in the business of trying to have as many people watch or listen to their content in media as possible. And all of us get paid based on that. And that is the number one goal, right? Uh, the more viewers or listeners you have, the more you get paid. Um, and, uh, and if that's the number one goal and your goal is to have entertaining guests, I thought that Aaron Rodgers was both entertaining. The marketplace agreed with me. I would want more of him if I were Pat McAfee, not what? Yeah, I can understand not wanting the headache maybe if you're McAfee, certainly if you're ESPN, but I also selfishly, as a fan of, of good media and entertainment, I, I like his segments and I want it to continue throughout the playoffs. He said a lot of things, Clay. I know you watched it. You know, He said, I'm not super political, but this has been made, uh, this has been said about me. And he kind of went back and disputed a lot of things. One thing he did not do was get personal again with Jimmy Kimmel after Jimmy Kimmel called him stupid, called him dumb, made fun of him for going to community college and only getting into Cal because he was on a football scholarship and not graduating from Cal. So I don't know other than he maybe he's mad that he just didn't outright apologize where Jimmy Kimmel would be even angrier after this. But one person that he did mention in all this, and this is what I immediately thought, was maybe Mike Voss has a little bit more credibility around ESPN than even Norby Williamson because he went after him hardcore and said he didn't help the situation at all. And that statement was trash that he put out and apologizing for the joke about Aaron Rodgers. And suddenly a day later, the rest of the season is cut short with Aaron Rodgers. What did you make of that part of it? Well, so a couple of things. One, I think Aaron Rodgers is a smart guy. I do too. Um, if, if if, If I had to bet, on whether Aaron Rodgers is in, you know, the top 10% most intelligent athletes in America, and maybe frankly, the most 10% intelligent people in America, I think I'd take that bet. And it's a little bit of a cheap shot, I think, by Jimmy Kimmel to make fun of him for going to community college, because he went to community college because he wanted to play football. And I think you can look this up while we're talking. I think Aaron Rodgers was only 5'11 when he graduated from high school And he didn't have any major college football offers. And he took whatever was the best college football offer he could get. And then he grew, I think he's like 6'4", or whatever he is now. And obviously a quarterback growing from 5'11 to 6'4 is not uncommon, um, you know, in athletics, right? You hear a lot of times, oh, this guy was a point guard uh, and he was only like 6'2". And then he grew six inches or eight inches or whatever. And he still has the same ball handling skills. Like that's not an uncommon thing with late bloomers in basketball. It sounds like Aaron Rodgers was a late bloomer in terms of his height. And then he got a scholarship to Cal and he dominated uh, and didn't finish his degree. But I I don't know that I judge somebody not finishing their degree when they become a couple of hundred million dollar athlete and they've continued to, uh, to play on. And I'll just say this too about that. Um, You know, I'm named after uh, uh, Clay Travis, my grandfather. He dropped out of school in eighth grade because he had to go work uh, to take care of his family. Um, And he never finished any more education. Uh, My other grandfather never graduated from college either. I'm fortunate. I've got a couple of advanced degrees and I've gone to some very good universities. But both those guys were really smart and they didn't have advanced degrees or even in the case of my grandfather that I'm named after, even a high school diploma. So this idea of, oh, 
you're, uh, you, you didn't go to a good enough school and therefore I'm not going to take your opinion. There's a lot of really smart people out there who don't have the opportunity or the money to be able to go to elite colleges. And Jimmy Kimmel uh, went to Arizona state, really uh, Jimmy Kimmel went to Arizona yeah. state that has like a 92% acceptance rate. And I, I don't like making fun of anyone's schooling or education. I think it's just kind of silly to get into that game with people, but it is kind of comical. It's not like, you know, Jimmy Kimmel went to Harvard. When he's making fun of Aaron yeah, Rodgers' education, and, and even and even if he had, so what? Because there's a lot of we've seen with what's going on with Israel, Israel and Palestine. There's a lot of uh, people at at Harvard who can't distinguish between good and evil and terror attacks and response to terror attacks. So, um, you know, that doesn't just because you're intelligent sometimes in books doesn't mean um, that that you're skilled there. I'll even go this far. You can clip this. I think Aaron Rodgers could have gone to med school and become a doctor if he had wanted to go to med school and become a doctor. So let's clip this. This is my prediction. I have not seen any of Aaron Rodgers' test scores. I don't know any behind-the-scenes data. Uh, but based on listening to him talk about complicated stories surrounding COVID, his intellectual curiosity, you know, people say to me sometimes when I'd have opinions like that are now 100% almost agreed with, hey, we can play football safely. People aren't going to die if we let them play basketball without wearing masks. These were things that people said would ridicule me for having those opinions. They'd say, well, you're not a doctor. But I could have been, right? Like I went and became a lawyer uh, and then got another advanced degree from Vanderbilt. But if I had decided that I wanted to be a doctor, I could have gone to med school and become a doctor instead of becoming a lawyer, right? There are lots. I don't think I would have been as talented. It would have been harder for me to be a doctor than it was to be a lawyer talking and writing has always come easier to me because I have, uh, I think better talents there. Um, but I could have been a doctor. And so really when you are saying, Oh, I can't take your opinion seriously. Where did you get your med degree? Oh, you're not an expert. To me, you have to assess whether you believe people are smart enough or not. Right. Uh, there are lots of people. I got a good friend that, you know, well, um, who does med mal defense couple of them that you know well oh, yeah. uh, with row super smart guys when you are a med mal defense attorney you basically go to med school it's a great because Alan you Bean. have to be an expert yeah and my friend chris tardio yeah. yeah you have to be a uh you have to be an expert in and by the way i'd rep- recommend both those guys if you happen to be in need of med mal defense um but you have to become an expert in whatever medical condition is being sued about in order to be able to cross-examine the doctors and talk about this in an intelligent way in the legal process. Um, and so, you know, and look, there are uh, MD, PhD programs out there. There are MD, I believe, JD programs out there where people are like, hey, I want to get my law degree and my uh, medical degree, MD, uh, JD, MBAs, right? Like there's all sorts of mixed degrees. I kind of wish I'd gotten an MBA. Uh, for how much time I spend in business now. I never had any business school training, but I built a $100 million media company, right? So there are lots of people who have the intelligence and the wherewithal to have really interesting opinions and intelligent opinions on things that they haven't gone to college for in, uh, and, and, and or graduate school for. Um, so I would put my money down on Aaron Rodgers is smart enough to have become a doctor if instead of making hundreds of millions of dollars playing football, he had decided that he wanted to go into the medical field uh, instead of becoming a uh, a football player. By the way, I think there are probably lots of smart athletes out there 
who could have become doctors. Uh, one of them I can think of off the top of my head, uh, uh, Myron Roll, remember him, was a Titan safety, and he ended up going back and becoming a uh, uh, becoming a doctor. He was a Rhodes um, Scholar, so, Myron, Myron Rhodes yeah. Scholar. Yeah, I think I think you're right. So uh, I just remember he played safety with the Titans. I think we had him on uh, yeah. the radio show back in the day. Uh, you know, certainly there are dumb athletes, uh, and that that is not. I'm not saying that every you know athlete could become a doctor or a lawyer if they wanted to. Uh, but I think there are a lot of athletes who are smart enough to have gotten advanced degrees and become doctors or lawyers. And I think Aaron Rodgers is one of them. Well, and Jimmy Kimmel doesn't like his opinion. He doesn't like what Aaron Rodgers has to say because he says, oh, you put on a helmet with a big green G on it, and now you're smart, and now you think you're an, uh, uh, the expert on this. He's not saying that to actors and actresses that say things that he agrees with. He doesn't say, oh, just because you made this much money in a movie, now you think you're an expert on, on geopolitics, and now you want to say this. He's only saying that because he disagrees with everything that Aaron Rodgers says. Yeah, look, I mean, I think Leonardo DiCaprio is pretty smart, right? He's obviously a super talented actor. Um, I think he's probably fairly well researched in like global warming. Um, but that doesn't mean that I think that Leonardo DiCaprio shouldn't be able to say whatever he thinks on global warming. I would never say, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio has absolutely no basis to have that opinion, right? Like, even though I think Leonardo DiCaprio never went to college at all, I'm not even sure that he finished high school, right? I think in order to have the success in acting that he has, he has to be a pretty smart guy, and obviously he works hard. But that, I also think you can say, am I correct? He didn't graduate from college, that's right. right? And that, that would go to what Chad's saying because it, it goes against what Kimmel's making yeah, fun of. Because J- Jimmy Kimmel will never say anything negative show. about him yeah. doing that because he agrees with most everything DiCaprio yeah, says. Right. And that's I think, my point. by the way, that's not unique. The world that we live in today, there is monstrous amounts of hypocrisy when it comes to who is able to share their opinion and who's not, and whether you give it credence or not based on whether you agree with it. Uh, And that's why I've always said the ultimate test that kind of blows people's mind is, uh, do you think Colin Kaepernick should have been able to take a knee uh, during the national anthem to protest gay marriage being legal, right? Like if you think that athletes in uniform at work should have the right want during the course of the playing of the national anthem, then you should be fine with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during the national anthem to protest gay marriage being legal. I have yet to hear a left winger say, oh yeah, you know what? I'd be totally fine with that. The reason why they typically support Colin Kaepernick is not because of what Colin Kaepernick, uh, uh, because there's some like First Amendment absolutist. It's because they believe in what Colin Kaepernick is advocating for. Um, and that's why I think you always need to stand on a consistent principle uh, as, uh, as opposed to sort of completely vacillating based on whether somebody has the same political opinions as you or not. Clay, can you help us figure out what the Titans are doing firing Mike Vrabel? No, I think it's incredibly stupid. Um, And I think if you uh, are going to move on from Mike Vrabel, his contract is an asset. Um, You've got whatever you've got, a couple of years left on that contract. Uh, If I run a business and I have an asset, I'm not just going to give that asset away. And so I think the Titans... uh, ham-handed this completely. 
Um, uh, so a couple of things. I always say, if you fire someone and there are tons of people lining up to, to hire him, it's probably a bad decision by you, right? And Mike Vrabel is probably the most sought after current coach available in the NFL. Uh, and a lot of teams are going to clamor to try to hire him. And he's going to have probably multiple options in terms of where he wants to go coach next. Maybe he doesn't want to coach. Maybe he wants to set out a year. Uh, I, I don't know uh, what his uh, what his preferred choice is going to be. But if you've got that asset and you don't get anything for it, I think you have mis- mishandled and mismanaged your franchise, which, let's be fair, has been – uh, tradition for the Tennessee Titans over much of the last 20 years yes. or so. Yeah. Uh, so I would not have fired Mike Brabel. And if you were going to move on for Mike Brabel, I think you should have traded him for draft picks at a minimum. Oh, he's got, he's definitely going to coach. He, he said uh, years ago, I don't have to do this. He's got money. I don't have to do this. Yeah. Uh, I played 12 years. I'm, I'm good. I love coaching. I love ball. He's, and I, I, you know, yeah. I, I think there will be teams, maybe it happened in Seattle, that are going to say, hey, peace out to their current coach because Vrabel's available and they think they can get him. Yeah, look, and, I, and again, it I makes think the even if you didn't dumber. get a first-round pick, yeah, even if you didn't get a first-round pick, yeah. why not get you, a second or get a third-round pick? Yeah, you get something. Yeah. And I, I think it could, be, it could be Dallas. McCarthy loses to Green Bay this weekend. Who knows? Look, I, I think I think he's a great asset, and I think the Titans bungled it by moving on from him. I'm not surprised that they did it, but I just think it's poor management from a business perspective. When you have an asset, uh, you want to maximize the value of that asset. That's the basics of business. And you don't want to give your asset away for free, and the Titans just did that. Clay, always great, man. Uh, great catching up, and uh, look forward to this next week. Appreciate it. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, yep. Clay. Clay Travis. Outkick.com at Clay Travis. Clay brought it today. It's yeah, good stuff. It was really good. Uh, coming up, get the headlines of the day, and uh, it includes a, a big transfer, big money transfer in college football, and the perception of the school he left, I think, is also intriguing. Aren't all big transfers also big money transfers now I don't know, in college football? But the they big... don't have to be, but I think if you're going from one Power well, Five school to another, there's probably a fair amount That's of money fair. involved. That's fair. Also, there was a, a, a blow up behind closed doors and one door slammed in what is expected to be a, a resignation in New York. That's next on Hot Mike.